Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. What an honor to be back here uh, at this stunning location. How many people love the Bayho location? In a, I love the building. I love, it just feels good. It feels right. Come with me in your Bibles. First, first Peter, I'm going to get this right. First Peter 1.23. I'm going to read the scripture and then I'll introduce the title of this message. And I promise you it's going to get good before it's all done. So first Peter 1.23. First Peter 1.23. It says this, having been born again, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. One more time. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides. That word abides means endures, which lives and endures forever. So I want you to know that the Bible doesn't kind of suggest being born again. It doesn't kind of just recommend being born again. There was a Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a good guy. He was caught up in a, a, a very, very uh, tyrannical religious system, the Pharisees, the Parashe in, in Hebrew. And uh, they were zealots. And they, religion excludes people that don't fit into a certain thing. And the Bible says that Nicodemus came to Jesus by night because he didn't want to be seen. But when he comes to Jesus, he says, uh, Rabbi, teacher, he says, we know, I know the rest of them give you a hard time and they say that you're possessed by Beelzebub and stuff. But there's an inner circle where we know that you are a teacher sent from God because nobody can do the works that you do unless God was with him. Jesus completely ignores everything he just says and says, I tell you the truth, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. And he's like, born, born again? Like, how can one enter his mother's womb and come out a second? And she's like, oh, let me explain it to you. Water, uh, you've got to be born of water and the Spirit. You've got to be born of water and the Spirit. The first time you were born, you were born of water. The first time you were born, you were in, your, in, in an amniotic sack. And when the waters break, we know baby's coming. When the waters break, we know baby's coming. But you and I are born into the world with our, our sinful nature. We are born into the world with the, the, the inherent Adamic bias. It goes all the way back to Adam that I don't have to teach my children how to do wrong. Joel, I never had to sit my kids down and say, now, guys, this is what you do. If you stole a cookie and mommy asked you, this is called lying. What's lying, daddy? No, you pretend that you didn't do it. Even though you've got crumbs all over your little shirt, you say, no, we don't know. Blame it on the cat. We don't have a cat, but blame it on the cat anyway. I didn't have to teach. I didn't have to teach him how to steal. I didn't have to teach him how to be selfish. I didn't have to teach him how to snatch. One of my sons, who were named Nameless, would, steer, would go into his brother's room at night, his younger brother's room, and steal, we call it a blub blum, a pacif his pacifier, and he would have one in each hand and one in his mouth. 
He'd, and he'd take the one out of... He would sneak it. He was only like three or four. I didn't have to do, it, do a crash course. Now, son, this is how you steal. We're all born with a sinful nature. We're all born with a proclivity. So Jesus says, you've got to be born not just of water. You've got to be born again. You've got to be born of the Spirit. And then he talks about, you know, the first time you're born, you're born into the earth. The earth is passing away. You've got to be born of the Spirit because eventually there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And, and we want you to, to have eternity on the inside of you. So Peter writes here that you and I are not born again of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed from the word of God, which abides, which endures, which lives forever. So the title of my message today is incorruptible, 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 incorruptible. So the world, the Bible teaches that there's a corruption in the world. There is a corruption in the world. But in the midst of a corrupting, corrupted world, there is a people who are born again of a spirit that is a supernatural spirit. It is an eternal spirit. It is the eternal word of God. And I want you to know that even though today you may be battling, and even though today you may be struggling, even though today there may be some proclivities, some bents, some biases, some chains, some holds, some yokes, some bad habits, some bad paradigms, I want you to know you are in the right house at the right time because everything is about to shift. Can I just say to you that the, the, the purpose of discipleship is really, it's the empowerment of that incorruptible nature. I want you to know that whatever you're facing, the devil is a liar. It's not greater than you. That addiction, those chains, those habits, those struggles are not greater in you. My Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. My Bible says that you're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. And so in this house, we aim to get you powered up, get you filled up, get you discipled so that you begin to break out of old mindsets and limiting paradigms that we heard Amber preach so brilliantly. Can we thank Amber? What a great word. Thank you for being so courageous to do the internship program, to break that thing, be dependent upon God. And I just believe that God is going to, well, just, just turn your palms towards heaven, sweetheart. I just believe that God is saying, when money was your God, God couldn't bless it. When money was an idol and a need in your life, God couldn't bless it. You yearn for his blessing, but because it was an idol, but you broke the idol the day you said the first tenth goes to God. And because of that, God is now able to bless. He's able to bless. And I just see the, the word overtaken. You're going to be overtaken with blessing. You're going to have so much blessing, Amber. You don't know what to do with it. So that's why you're in this house, because the Holy Spirit will tell you, go and bless this one. Do something kind over here. Invest over there. But the Lord would say, because you've put him ahead of money, you will never lack for money, because he is your provider. Father, bless his beautiful daughter. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I wrote this down. I wrote this down coming into this, and then we're going to jump into the Word, and I promise it's going to be good. Discipleship is the reformation or the reformation of new habits, values, paradigms that bear and reflect His image. Discipleship is the reformation. So when, when we get born, when I got born again, dear Jesus, I came into the church, I was a mess on legs. 
My goodness gracious. I was born again. I was going to heaven. But all my mindsets, all my paradigms were conditioned and were the, the consequences of what I'd learned in the world. And then somebody gave me the word. And I realized that the word and the world were not in agreement. I, they, they, they told me, if you want something, you got to take it. you got to snatch. you got to live for you. you got to put yourself first. You know, there, was, there was this kind of rule, always look after number one. Always look after number one. When I looked after number one, my life was miserable. My life was miserable. I've got to be honest with you. Today, I still look after number one. I just realize I'm not it. Jesus is number one. I'm not even number two. Leanne is number two. I'd love to tell you I'm number three. I'm not even number three. My kids are number three. I love to tell you I'm number four. It's not number four. My awesome team are number four. I, I'm hoping I'm in the top ten. I'm, I think I'm in there somewhere. <laughs> it's amazing. You know, they say joy is Jesus first, others second, and yourself last. The acronym for joy, Jesus first, others second, yourself last. There's something, something very, very beautiful. But I, I saw this conflict between the world and the Word. And I started reading the Bible. I'm like, man, I'd never seen this before. This makes sense. So I started just, I had nothing else to lose. My life was a train wreck. I thought, I'm going to just start living like the Word of God is true. And the more that I live, the more that I, the better and the better and the better and the better and the better. The Word of God is eternal. The Word of God is incorruptible. The Word of God is, is the wisdom of God. So let me give you three quick thoughts. The first one, the first thing in this discipleship journey of an incorruptible life is you've got to understand the wisdom and pain dynamic. The wisdom and pain dynamic. What does that mean? That means that there are two teachers in this life. When you read your Bible, which we encourage. Joel, do we encourage it? We encourage it. When you read your Bible, you will discover that the Bible reveals that God has sent two teachers in this life, wisdom and pain. God wants you to have wisdom as your companion. Pain is not meant to be your companion. Wisdom is meant to be your companion in this journey called life. Just, just, just like a compass helps you to find your true north, wisdom is the compass of how you find your true north, how you find victory, how you find breakthrough. The problem, the problem is that there was so much stubborn, there was so much selfish, there was so much doubting, there was so much fearful that I, I read something in the Bible and I thought, ah, oh, that can't be. Or I found parts of me that didn't want to line up with the Bible, didn't want to line up because I felt like it was going to restrict me, it was going to ask something from me that I didn't want to give up. And so I said, you know what, I'm not going to listen to the Word, I'm not going to listen to wisdom. But then I look over and guess who came along is pain. When I ignored wisdom, pain came to teach me. I, I found a pattern in my life that every time I ignore wisdom, pain turns up. Whenever I forsake wisdom, pain is right there. Some people, some people do this. They think that pain is bad. They think that, that pain must be avoided at all costs. So what they do is they numb the pain. They numb the pain. Alcohol numbs pain. Drugs numbs pain. Pleasure numbs pain. We, we can numb the pain. 
if you go downtown and you see people sleeping homeless on bits of cardboard, they are there not because there's not enough homes. They are there because when pain came to teach, they chose instead to numb the pain rather than to learn from the pain. Pain comes, you, 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 your, your body is designed, you feel pain. If you put your hand over a flame, your hand will pull it back before you think, hmm, I, what can I smell? It smells like burning flesh. Oh my gosh, it's my hand. What to do, what to do, what to do. Perhaps it's wise to, rem no, no, before you even, you pulled your hand away because pain says, One of my sons, who will remain, remain nameless, decided to drive his car recklessly because I'm not sure if he was auditioning to be a rally driver and blew out two wheels, like completely destroyed. I mean, we get a phone call and the guy says, I don't know what he hit, but he didn't just destroy the tire. He destroyed the, he put a hole in the hub of the tire. He says, we can't even fix it at the tire shop. You've got to send this to a body shop because he's probably destroyed the, the, all the suspension, which he did. So the little tyke's been saving all summer. He's been saving his money all summer. And uh, everything that he's just saved now has to go to repairs. One moment of reckless, one moment of, hey, I can drive like a rally car driver and everything that he spent the entire summer saving. And I'm sitting with this, this young man and he's, tearful and it hurts and I said to him right now what you need to do is you need to sit with the pain you need to sit with the pain because pain is sent from God to get you back to wisdom pain should not be permanent pain pain is pain is if you sit with pain pain will say listen what are you doing and you're like well you know thank you for teaching me pain won't even shake your hand God has forbidden pain to be your friend. It's not meant to be your friend. Pain is meant to be a temporary experience. Pain is meant to say, whoa, 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 we're not meant to be, I'm, I'm a corrective in your life. I'm not a companion. Wisdom is meant to be your companion. Wisdom is in the Word of God. Pain's job is to get you back to the Word, get you back to obedience, get you back to trusting God, get you back to, to when you walk with wisdom, the Bible says in wisdom, with wisdom, come riches, come honor, come life. With wisdom, the Bible says that of all the things that you can search for, nothing compares to her. Her, her, her value, her worth is far above precious gold, far above the finest jewelry, far above the finest treasures in the earth is wisdom. Seek after wisdom. And Proverbs 8 goes on to say, wisdom speaking, by me kings reign, by me princes rule, by me nobles govern. With wisdom come riches, honor, and life. The anti-prosperity people hate that, but that's why I know that they're fools because with wisdom come riches, honor, and life, all the things that they preach against. Yeah, no wonder you're a fool because you reject wisdom because with wisdom come riches, honor, and life. Oh, I don't like this preaching about riches. Well, no one says you gotta keep it all, darling. What does that mean? Well, that means if you make $10 million and you only need $1 million to live, come and see Pastor Morgan. We can help you. Come and see Pastor Jeff. We've got a, a, an Emerge Ranch. We want to we fit out. No one says you. But you will find if you walk in wisdom, you're going to have an overflow because you're meant to be blessed to be a blessing. 
pain comes, and the problem with pain is people, when pain, they want to medicate the pain. They want to numb the pain. Don't numb the pain. Sit with pain and say, pain, I really don't like you. Pain doesn't get offended. Pain actually comes good. You're not meant to like me. You're meant to love wisdom, but you're not meant to like pain. But pain wants to sit with you and say, let's go back to, to where you derailed. Let's go back to where you departed. Let's go back to where you disconnected from wisdom. Let's go back and let's learn from it. When we were in New Zealand, I, I had a gentleman in my church who, who knew that we were pregnant and we needed a, a bigger home. Baby number two was coming. And, and so he said to me, listen, I know you've got some savings. He says, why don't, I, why don't you build a home and I'll project manage it. I'm like, wow. I went home and told Leanne, I was so encouraged. I said, this guy's gonna project manage building a home. I didn't know that he'd never built a home. I didn't know that he'd never project managed the building of a home. But stupid is as stupid does. I gave him all of our savings. So he was using our savings for his learning curve. He thought, maybe I want a career change. Maybe I might be a project manager. Halfway through not finishing our house, he ran out of our money and absconded. So I had baby number two coming, no money and an unfinished house. Under pressure. Boom, boo, doo, 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 boom, boom, boo, doo, 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 boom, boom, boom. It was terrible. I mean, the pain, the pain. And I remember when we finished the house, we were the lowest paid staff member and the senior associate was paid more and the, obviously the senior pastor was paid more. But where we bought the house or where we bought the land and then built the house, it was in a nicer area and it was a nicer house. And they had you know, the, the human tendency to be jealous. And I remember the senior associate when we moved in, because we moved in on May the 7th, 1997. How did you know that date? Because my son was born May 10th. And we had three days where we had no running water we had no electricity and a brand new baby. And so I remember the senior associate kind of very, very smug says, huh, bet you've learned your lesson. Bet you'll never build a house again. <laughs> and actually, I remember just the Holy Ghost came on me. I said, actually, I'd be an idiot not to. I was like, what? You just went through all that pain. I said, Exactly. And I sat down with pain and pain said, listen, I hope we never meet again. So let's sit down and let's find where you departed from wisdom. Next time, check a guy's resume. Check, check his credit history. Check the fruit of his life. Check that he actually knows what he's talking. <coughs> I said, I just spent hundreds of thousands of dollars learning how not to build a home, learning who not to trust, learning how not to, to, to hire a certain project manager. I said, I'm not going to waste all of my Harvard degree in how to, how to not build a house. I said, the First chance I get, I'm going to, so when we got to Sydney, the first thing I did was bought land and then I built a house with everything that I learned there and every dollar we put down, we got two and a half dollars back. 
because I sat with the pain. I sat with the pain of trying to finish and the humiliation and promising my bride she would never go through this level of stress and distress again. Pain is sent to teach you, but pain is meant to be temporary, not permanent. Pain is a corrective. Wisdom is a companion. Make wisdom your companion. Pain comes, but pain comes with the loss. If, if you cheat on your, ta- if you steal, you'll end up in a prison. What is prison? Prison is a place where you're meant to sit with pain. Why? Because it's called a penitentiary. Where you're meant to be penitent, where you're meant to say, okay, pain, where did I go? You know what? I shouldn't have stolen. I shouldn't have defrauded. I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have done that. And now I feel the pain of loss. I feel the pain of separation. I feel the pain that freedom has been taken away from me. I feel the pain that now next to my name, there's the word fell. I feel the pain of all of that. Pain, sit with me. Do not let the devil convince you to numb the pain, to medicate the pain. Do not do that. Pain is meant to be temporary. If you numb it, it'll remain in your cell with you. Don't remain with pain. Let pain sit with you and show you where you went off the rails so you can come back to wisdom because God wants you to live with wisdom. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Number two, number two in this incorruptible life is prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. I wish it had an E in the word fasting. I wish it was spelled F-E-A-S-T. I wish it was prayer and feasting. I could do that every day. What are you doing, pastor? Prayer and feasting. That's how holy I am. I hate fasting. Why do I hate fasting? Because the flesh. All right, I want you to come with me in. Oh gosh, it's all good really, isn't it? Let's go, to, uh, let's go to 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12. Have a look what this says. Paul's writing, he says, All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Now come with me, Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. This is a, this is a ripper. I love this one. In fact, I have a love-hate relationship with this one because it's just, it's almost like too true. It's almost like, ah, caught me again. Galatians 5.16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. In fact, the NIV, the, the New International Version says, for the flesh wars against the Spirit, and the Spirit wars against the flesh. These are contrary to, to one another, so that you don't do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh, the works of the flesh, every single one of us live in a body that is made of flesh. Your flesh has certain bents, biases, and proclivities. And the Bible lists them here for you. So you can go, oh my gosh, I know where that's coming from. That's coming from the flesh. It says, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I told you beforehand, but also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
but the fruit of the Spirit. When you're born again, you find that there's that incorruptible, and it's also producing on the inside. What's it producing? I'm glad you asked. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Magnificent instruction there by the Apostle Paul. So this is what I found. This is what I found that, that for, for, a, for a Christian... Prayer is how your soul breathes. Prayer is how your soul breathes. Prayer is connection with heaven. When you pray, your spirit man comes alive. The lungs of your soul breathe in prayer. John Wesley says that God does nothing except in response to prayer. I preached a message a few weeks ago about God being an RSVP God. RSVP God. And, and I was talking to John Soriano. I said, John, you know, what does RSVP mean? He says, I think it's German. I think it means remember, send wedding present. And, uh, but I actually looked it up, John. It doesn't mean that. It's, it's French. It's French, John. It, it means respondez s'il vous plaît, which means please respond. So let me just say this. The reason that we pray is because we have a belief that God does nothing except in response to prayer. God is waiting on your invitation. Prayer is very, very simply an invitation to God to move. Sometimes we get a problem. Sometimes we go through a crisis. Sometimes we're in the middle of a storm and we leave prayer to the very last thing. We'll throw money at it. We'll shout at it. We'll cry victim at it. And then the, the, finally when it overwhelms us, we finally get to prayer and then God comes through. Why do we make prayer the first thing rather than the last thing? Why do we make prayer the preemptive rather than the reactive in our life? But sometimes God will actually just wait. Like he's like, sometimes in heaven, he's like, Gabriel, wow, wow. They still haven't prayed. Like how much worse does it need to get? The Holy Spirit, your helper, is like, get up and pray. Oh, I don't want to pray. No, get up. The prayer meetings in our church are the most important meetings in our church. It's the engine room of the church. Prayer is the engine room. Everything, I, I'm not smart enough for eight campuses. Are you kidding me? I don't know how, it's prayer, it's prayer. And let me tell you, Jesus said this to his disciples. He says, you know, I want you to wait in Jerusalem because you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And so the Bible says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they're all in one accord, in one place come, man, power's about to come. We're ready to get some power up in here. And they're excited. And the Bible says that tongues of fire landed on them and they began to speak in tongues. They began to speak in unknown tongues. They began to speak in languages they'd never learned. So right there you'd be like, hang on, whoa, 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 whoa. Jesus, I thought you said you were gonna give him power. And Jesus like, yeah. Yeah, well, have a closer look, Jesus. They're just speaking in languages. They don't, do you understand what you They don't even understand what they're saying. He's like, no, no, hang on. It's not funny, Jesus. You said power and they're just speaking in languages that they've never learned and they don't even understand what they're saying. You promised them power. And he's just like, <laughs> it's not funny. And Jesus said, this is, this is why they don't understand what they're saying. Oh, what's the point? Because Romans 8, 26 says, we don't know how to pray as we ought. 
So the Spirit Himself intercedes on our behalf. He says, the reason I told them they're gonna get power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And the reason that that power is unlocked through them speaking out in tongues, speaking out in languages they've never learned is so that they don't ruin it with their fearless interruptus. Because if they understood what the Holy Spirit was praying, if they understood what He was saying, they'd say, whoa, 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 steady down, Holy Spirit. You got the wrong guy. That could never happen. God could never do that. So the Holy Spirit intentionally has to pray through you in a language you don't understand so you don't sabotage and shipwreck what God wants to do in your life. I spend most of my prayer language, most of my time praying in tongues. Why? Because I just know, I just trust God. And I'm telling you, this shifts and that moves and this comes and that is removed and breakthrough comes here and something opens up over there and something I couldn't, we're a Holy Ghost church. We believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. We don't want you to try and figure it out in your strength, in your skill sets, in your abilities. Get filled with the Holy Spirit. Speak in tongues. So where does fasting come? Where does fasting come? I'm glad you asked. You're asking great questions. You have great pants. You have great fashion. Married to a beautiful woman. No wonder you're asking such brilliant questions. <laughs> fasting is important. Fasting is actually you telling the very, very first enemy, your very first enemy is your inner me. My flesh, if I did everything my flesh wanted, oh dear Jesus, I would never say no to fries. I would be at McDonald's probably every other day. I would say yes when they ask if I want to supersize it. Your flesh has proclivities. We saw the works of the flesh. It has proclivities that will not end well for you. you can, I found in this Christian life, the incorruptible requires me to say, flesh, what are you doing? Because your flesh will go out and leave. Come on, follow me, follow me. It's fun. You'll love it. <laughs> and you're like, no, no, whoa, 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 whoa. Where are we going? There's a stinking cliff over there. You're gonna shipwreck our lives. But flesh doesn't care. Flesh is all about instant gratification. Flesh just wants to be pleased right here and now. It feels good. Let's do it. And you're like, hang on. Whoa, whoa, it may feel good, but it may not be good. Just because it feels good doesn't mean it is good. Flesh, you don't have any discernment. And flesh is like, what? But if it feels good, how could it not be good? There are lots of things that feel good that aren't good for you. You nitwit. So you have, to, you have to deal with your flesh. In 2020, you know, all the hit the fan, manure, hit the fan. And I mean, under pressure. I mean, under pressure. Unbelievable. Leanne and I found, because we, we, you know, in this church, we, we don't want to make you religious. We want to make you free. And so we, 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 we have no problem with, with wine. Like Jesus' first miracle, it turns water into wine. It wasn't grape juice. Stop it, you silly Baptist. Stop it. <laughs> he turned water into wine. A sommelier said, hmm, normally at weddings, people bring out the, the good, good wine in the beginning and then bring out the cheaper wine once everyone's drunk something. But you, <laughs> you've saved the best for last. The bouquet. I detect some notes of peppers and black, I mean, however you went. 
He said it was the best wine. He didn't say this is grape juice. It was wine. But Leanne and I found that, that with the pressure, we enjoy a glass of wine. But a glass of wine became a bottle of wine. And then a bottle of wine became two or three bottles a week. Now, we were never kind of drunk. But we certainly were finding like, wow, wine has a calming effect. But I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, you've got to be very, very careful. Because sometimes something that will comfort you in the beginning will try and master you in the end. The Holy Spirit is the comforter. So the only way we knew how to break that was we did a fast from wine. We just did, I think it was like 40 days. We were, for the next 40 days, let's break our flesh. Your flesh is unbelievably unreliable. Am, am I telling the truth? I know people to, to sleep because of their pressure, you know, just started to take, you know, like sleeping tablets. And before long, they were addicted to, they, they couldn't sleep without the sleeping tablets. And then it didn't become enough. Michael Jackson, Elvis Presley, lives were ruined because the flesh, the only way that you can exercise dominion, the only way you can get the flesh back into its submission, back into its order where you are spirit-led, not flesh-led, is fasting. Fasting, your flesh will scream. I remember when I was fasting, true story, uh, we, we did a 40-day fast, and I could smell KFC five miles away. <laughs> I, it's, it's like, what the, in, the... The flesh... The Bible says those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions. I don't like this preaching. Listen, I'm just trying to help you. You live in a body that if you give into your flesh, you won't experience the fullness of this incorrupt. You are born not of corruptible, but of an incorruptible seed. God wants you to have victory. God wants you to take territory. God wants you to conquer the mountains. But you've got to bring your flesh into, into subjectivity. Is that a right word? Submission. I like that. Do you know there's not one person who stood on, on a dais and received a gold medal? They didn't have the testimony that to get here, they had to discipline their flesh. When everyone else was sleeping in, they were up at 4.30 in the a.m., driving sometimes in the snow to the pool to get into the pool and do laps. And do laps after laps long before the sun came up. They did it in winter. They, when their body wanted to quit, they kept going. They had coaches saying, another lap, another lap. Dig deeper. You, this is not your PB. You've got to hit your PB. If you want to win a gold medal in the Olympics, you, you will find that all the winners in life have one thing in common. They learn how to discipline their flesh. The Bible says that this kind only comes out through prayer and fasting. There are some things that will not dislodge from prayer alone. You've got to introduce fasting. Fasting is a powerful thing. Sometimes you can fast for a day. Uh, you know, sometimes you can fast for three days. There are many, many different fasts. Don't think you've got to go straight to the 40 days of, you know, only water. You you know, you don't need to do that. But, but on a regular basis, just if you find something, like for us, you know, it was coffee. And so Leanne and I just did, okay, let's just do seven days, no coffee. Three of those seven days, I had flipping headaches because my body had already become addicted. And it starts screaming, but you know what, body, you ain't leading me. Flesh, if I follow you, you're going to lead me into a ditch. You're going to lead me off a cliff. You don't get to lead. You get to follow. And we're following the Spirit. We're following the Spirit of life. Can somebody say amen? All right, the last one, the last one.
Number three. So what have we learned? Wisdom and pain, prayer and fasting. Number three is responsibility and authority. Responsibility and authority. Responsibility and authority are two sides of the same coin. Now, I know what you're saying. I hate responsibility. I don't want any responsibility. We, we, we spend our whole life trying to get away from responsibility. The devil makes it very easy for you to abdicate responsibility. But the Bible says, if you come with me to, to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 3, I think it's verse 17. Genesis three seventeen. Then God said to Adam, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and eaten from the tree, which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it, Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring, bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. Now, what, what happened? When Adam and Eve sinned, God comes to Adam and says, Adam, what have you done? And you know what Adam says? The woman. The woman you gave me. Oh, you're looking at me? Blame Idas. What happens when Adam refused to accept responsibility? He lost authority. When he refused to accept responsibility, he lost authority. There is a dynamic in this life where when you take responsibility, you have authority. The devil wants you to believe that you're a victim. He wants you to believe that you're a victim of the past. Somebody abused you, somebody misled you, somebody wasn't there for you. My father left when I was three. My, my, my mother never said this. There was no one ever to encourage me. The devil wants you to posture yourself as a victim. He wants you to abdicate responsibility that life has been cruel. Life is, and I'm not trying to diminish the fact that life can be cruel. I'm not trying to diminish the fact that, that, that abuse is a very real thing. And there are people who will bite and steal and rob and plunder. There are people who were meant to build you up and, and they didn't do it. But do not allow them to sit you into the place where you are in captivity, where you are a victim. And I'll tell you why. Because when you're a victim, you actually relinquish authority. You say, I am in this state because somebody else didn't do this or they did do this. Therefore, I do not have authority, they do. Everything in my life changed. We were talking to Dennis Prager and Dennis Prager had uh, a young man in his world who was struggling with heroin addiction for about 12 years. And then one, just been in and out of rehab a number of times and always fell back, always fell back, always fell back. And then all of a sudden now he's been like sober a number of years. And Dennis Prager said to him, tell me what, what was the difference? What, what was the breakthrough? And he said, I stopped blaming my parents for all the ills in my life. In other words, the day I accepted responsibility for my life, the authority came for me to drive out this addiction. But while I was a victim, it had authority over me. The devil wants you to believe that you're a victim because the devil is an authority thief. I'm gonna say that again. The devil wants you to take the posture 
He wants you to take the position as a victim because He doesn't care about you. He just wants to take your authority. He wants to have authority over your life. If you will accept responsibility, you receive authority. Where's that in the Bible? I'm so glad you asked. You're asking great questions too. So in the Bible, there's the parable of the talents. The parable of the talents is literally a parable of the kingdom. It's about stewardship. Everything in this life is stewardship, management. One's given five talents, one, two, another guy, one. The guy with five takes the five and trades and produces five more. The guy with two takes them and trades and produces two more. The guy with one buries it in the ground. Buries it in the ground, doesn't he? And then one day the master comes to do an assessment and the guy with five says, Master, you trusted me with five. Here, look, I, I produce five more. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Because you are faithful over a few things, I'm going to make you ruler. Because you took responsibility, I'm now going to give you authority. You're going to rule over 10 cities. The man with two says, Master, I also traded and I produced the two. I doubled it into four. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful. You were responsible over the few. I'm going to make you ruler, authority over four cities. The guy with one says, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you haven't sown, gathering where you haven't So I buried it. Look, here, have back what's yours. He says, you wicked, lazy servant. Because you never accepted responsibility, there's no authority in your life. It's a woman in the Bible called Esther. Mordecai, her uncle, comes to Esther and says, Esther, did you see what the king signed into law? Haman, the Agagite, the hater of the Jewish people, has signed a decree, got the king to sign the decree. It can't be changed that there's going to be a genocide in one day. Every Jew in the entire kingdom will be wiped out. There'll be no more Jewish people. And he says, Esther, you've you got to go to the king. She says, I can't go to the king. I can't go to the king. He, he hasn't called me for months. And, 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 by law, if I walk into the king's presence uninvited, there's a death penalty. And he says, you know what? You, you can be silent. You can say, hey, it's not my fight. It's, not, it's too difficult. Let somebody else fight this battle. He says, you can do that. And God will, God will raise deliverance from somewhere else. But don't think that you're safe in the palace. This thing's gone out to wipe out all the Jews and you and I will perish. God will raise it. But maybe, just maybe, sweetheart, you were brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. And the Bible says that Esther said, all right, pray and fast for three days. And on the third day, the Bible says she walked through the doors. And King Asuerus is on his throne and he sees this woman walking towards him. And the Bible says when she comes before him, he reaches out his, reaches out his, his scepter. What is a scepter symbolic of in Scripture? authority when she accepted responsibility for the plight of her people authority came to her and she flipped the whole thing around the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 it says in Philippians 2 that, that, that Jesus didn't consider it robbery to be equal with God because he was God but he took on the very form of a servant 
He submitted himself to death, yea, even the death of crucifixion on the cross. Therefore, therefore, whenever you see a therefore, you've got to ask what's the therefore, therefore. It's therefore everything that precedes it. Because Jesus left heaven, became a man, submitted himself to death, not just any death, crucifixion. Therefore, God has highly exalted him given him the name that is above every other name that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and that every tongue every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father why Jesus came into the earth saying there's a mess there's a sin issue and just like Adam no one's accepting responsibility so you know what I'm going to accept responsibility when Jesus hung on the cross He was hung on the cross, not for His sins. He hung on the cross for my sins. It was my sin that put Him on the cross. I deserve death as a sinner. But Jesus says, I got this. He hung on the cross and He redirected away from me the judgment, the wrath of God that was meant to come to me, the wrath of God that was meant to come to you. Jesus redirected it onto Himself. He took complete responsibility for sins that weren't His, they were our sins. But He says, I'll take responsibility. Put their judgment on my account. I will die in their place because, because He accepted complete responsibility. The Bible says that He has absolute authority. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Because He accepted responsibility, all authority has been given to Him. Authority and responsibility. Come on, let's stand to our feet. I'm out of time. Let's stand to our feet. I want you to lift your hands high to heaven. Whatever area the devil's been whispering, whatever area the devil's been lying to you in, and he'll whisper to you that you're a victim. And on paper, it looks like it. You can even sit with an attorney and an attorney say, yeah, actually, you know what? I've got to agree with Lucifer. I've got to agree with the dark Lord of the underworld. He's absolutely, you're a victim. People defrauded you, but you can't. He has one agenda and it's to take authority over you. Don't let him have authority. Don't let him have, what does that look like? First thing you do is you forgive. Hang on, whoa, 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 whoa. They don't deserve forgiveness exactly. Neither did I when Jesus forgave me for my sin. Well, they're not asking. Neither did I when he hung on the cross. If you think holding unforgiveness somehow harms them, unforgiveness is like drinking poison, hoping the other person will die. Forgiveness releases you and it releases them to God. And you better believe that God is perfect in His justice. God is perfect in His justice. The first thing say, Father, forgive them. The second thing is say, okay, God, I've been dealt a slack hand. I've been dealt a poor hand. However, the Bible says that you make all things work together for good. God, I accept that this is my lot in life. Help me not to look down. Help me not to even look at the problem. Help me to look to you. I will lift my eyes to the hills. From where comes my salvation, my deliverance? It comes from God. It comes from God. When I stop blaming my dad, when I stop blaming my upbringing, when I stop stop being a victim, authority came. With authority comes breakthrough. The devil is an authority thief. 
break, break agreements with being a victim today. And you will find that God will bring healing. You'll find that God will bring breakthrough in your life. Just, I want every head bowed, every eye closed. Just put your hands down for a moment. If you're in this house and you're not born again, if you're in this house and you've never surrendered to God, if you're in this house and you're far from God, friend, we want you today. I want to lead you in a prayer where you can be born again. You may say, well, Pastor, I think I'm a Christian because I come to church every week. I used to go to McDonald's every week. It didn't make me a clown. I can park my bike in my garage. It doesn't turn it into a car. Just coming to church doesn't make you. Now listen, church is a great thing. But the Bible says you must be born again. How do I get born again? You receive Christ. You receive God's word. You say, Jesus, come into my heart, come into my life. Maybe you once did that, but you let the flesh drag you away. You need to come back today. If there's anybody like that, would you just give me a wave of your hand and say, Pastor, I need to be born again or I need to come back. Would you pray for me and I'll pray for you. Thank you, sweetheart. I see your hand. Who else is there? Just lift it up high and I'll see your hand. I'll pray for you. Who else is there? Just lift it high and say, Pastor, that's me. Just give me a wave of your hand. Thank you. Someone else in there. Thank you, young man. I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you. Who else is there? Just give me a wave. Thank you, sir. I see your hand. Who else is there? Would you raise your hand? Anybody else? <laughs> Anybody else? Quickly, just give me a wave. I'm out of time and I need to pray. But I just feel thank you up the back. God bless you. I feel like there's someone else. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you, darling. Thank you, sir. I see that hand. Now I still feel like there's someone else. Who is that one? Thank you over there. There's still someone else. I feel it. Who is that one? God's going after you. God bless you up the back. I see your hand. Is there one more? Is there one more? I'm out of time and I want to pray. God bless you, sir. I see the hand. God bless you, sweetheart. I see your hand. Anybody else? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. This is what we're going to do. So many of you raise your hands. Can I do this? Can I make it not just personal, but powerful today? I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to put my hand on your shoulder and just impart something from heaven today. So if you raised your hand, in just a moment, I'm going to give you an invitation. Just find the aisle near and I'm going to kind of step down here onto the, 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 the floor off this platform and I want to shake your hand and pray with you. If you're with someone who raised their hand, would you offer to walk with them? If you brought someone that raised their hand, walk with them. If you brought someone that should have raised their hand, why don't you ask them if they'll come out? But church, let's put our hands together and those that lifted their hands, come on, let's welcome them as they come. Let's welcome them as they come. Holy Spirit,
Amen. Can we give these people a great round of applause? How beautiful, how beautiful, how beautiful. Oh, I didn't shake your hand. You know, there's just such a such a touch of God. And this is what, what we say, that God will absolutely touch you in your seat, but He transforms at the altar. So something's, something's about to shift. This young man, I got to, got to meet him before the service began. And I, I just hear God telling me to tell you, just like the color of your watch, you're about to enter into, it's almost like a, a, a treasure house of gold. The, 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 literally your testimony will be, I had no idea that God so loved me that He had all this treasure for my life and the devil had tried to keep me from it. You're about to walk into a life beyond what you can understand because of your trust in God. And in your life, you've probably had over a hundred reasons to be a victim, a hundred reasons to not trust people, even a hundred reasons not even to like people. It's like sometimes because you've got a beautiful soft heart, it's like the, the devil literally sent people who would take advantage of your kindness, take advantage of your trusting nature. And you would you would be one who would come to the table and say, hey, like, you know, let, let me help pay. And, and they would put nothing down and take everything from you. But God is a God of restoration. And he said, enough is enough. And he's about to turn the tables. And everything, the Lord would say to you, everything you have lost, even some of the things you didn't realize you lost, I'm about to bring back, and I'm gonna bring it back double for your trouble. Everything you lost is gonna come back double, 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 because he loves you. There's something special on you. This young man here, tell me your name one more time. That's right, I like that, Casey Patterson, was it? What a great name. Casey, as soon as I, as soon as I, 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 I held, held your hand to, to uh, greet you, I felt God say, tell him that there's an anointing and there's a hand, a mighty hand stretched towards you. And the devil has always tried to mess with you. He's always tried to, he's always tried to keep you. I'm sure you've ever seen those hamsters in the hamster wheel and, and they, they run and they're running and they think, man, I gotta be making ground here. Man, I'm running. Man, and they're getting puffed out and they're running, but they're not moving, they're not getting anywhere, but they're, they're in there. And it's almost like the, the, the enemies had you in this, this hamster wheel of never having enough, never being enough, never measuring up, never. And God is coming to, to get you out of that. And He's coming to deliver you. And He's coming to tell you that, that, that you and Him are more than enough. And you're gonna find that your life is gonna overflow with God's blessing and overflow with God's goodness. There's something very special on you, something very special in you. And God says that He brought you here today to unlock the gold that's been buried in here. And, you, and there are days where you said, I don't think there's any gold in me because all I see is dirt. But you know, I've never found gold on the side of the street. I've never, I've, I surf, I've never found a gold bar floating by me in the surf. All the gold, you've got to dig through some layers of dirt to get the gold. And God says, don't, don't even worry about the dirt. Everybody's got it. But there's gold in here and God is going to bring it out. And everybody's going to want to be your friend. Everybody's going to want to be around you. And that's where wisdom will come and say, hey, don't trust that person. Be friendly with them. But no, And God's going to give you wisdom. He's going to give you blessings. He's going to give you favor. There's something very, very special on your life. You're a great young man. 
God bless you. And was it Heather? Heather? Look at your smile. My, we need to put your smile on a billboard and say, this is what Jesus does for people. There won't be enough room in our churches. Everyone will come in. Just close your eyes. I, I hear the Holy Spirit say, tell, tell Heather that I'm healing her. I'm healing her body right now. There's, there's, there's been some, just, just some, some medical things and, and I just hear the Lord telling me right now, He's going right through your body, bringing healing in your body. And why, why body? Because there's a whole bunch of other things. And I see God bringing healing in some, some relationships. There's some relationships that were fractured. I see especially with a sibling, but I see God bringing restoration. And then I also hear in the financial, God is going to bring healing. In fact, He's bringing healing everywhere. Jesus doesn't do healing. He is healing. He is healing. And I just see that, that there's been some um, very cruel words spoken by somebody very, very close to you, very dear to you. It's like that they got in, they got in to close proximity, which is always what happens. And then they said some very, very nasty things. And I even see the Lord reaching into your heart pulling out those poisonous barbs. That's what they are. And the Lord would say, partner with me as I pull them out. The way to, the way to make it as, as painless as possible is you just let them go by forgiving. Just forgive them, forgive them. Jesus did that on the cross. The Romans were, were gambling for his, his clothes and he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. There are some people that don't know what spirit they're under. They just say nasty things there. But just let it go. God is going to heal you. He's going to bless you. And Heather, this is what I see, just like your beautiful smile. I see the sun rising brighter and shining greater than it ever has. You're about to step into just, an, in fact, your best season of life. Your best season wasn't in your childhood. You're, you're about to step into the best season. I see the sun shining like it's never shone before. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you, Heather. What an honor to meet you today, darling. All right, let's do this. Let's pray for all of these people. In fact, can we all say these words out loud? I want all of you just to say this prayer out loud. You're such a great sister. What a great sister you are. God bless you. Let's say these words. Say, Heavenly Father, today I surrender to you. I ask you, Lord Jesus, come into my heart so that I am born again of incorruptible seed. I declare today, that with God in me, I'm more than a conqueror. I'm not a victim, I'm an overcomer. Today, if God is with me, who or what can stand against me? Heaven is my home, God is my Father, Jesus is my Savior. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen. For more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now. <laughs>